Hey, welcome to Grace Church, everybody. My name is Dan. I'm so uh, excited to be with you today. Uh, Happy that you're joining us online. I want to encourage you to share this message. I believe that God uh, wants to encourage not just you, but one of your friends, family members. So go ahead and share this message however you can. I'm really pumped to continue our series today called Reframe. You know, it was about a year and a half ago, maybe close to two years now, that I was down at Comic-Con with my oldest son. I've got three kids. I was down there with my oldest son and my wife was at our house with our baby girl and our, our middle son. And, and uh, I'm in there, you know, in the middle of the crowd and there's people everywhere. Comic-Con's absolutely insane. Well, my phone starts to ring and I'm not recognizing this number. And so I figure someone's calling me about my extended car warranty is almost expired. And so I don't answer. Well, the phone keeps ringing and it keeps ringing and it keeps ringing. And finally, I get a text message. And that text message says, uh, hey, it's Allison. It's my wife. Call me. And I'm like, what's going on? Why is my wife calling me from some random number? So I call the number back and I'm like, hey, what's going on? And she's like, hey, listen, I'm locked out of the house. My phone is inside. Um, I've got got Wheaton, our middle son. I've got him with me. But, But Juniper, our baby girl, she's locked inside of the house. And she's locked in by herself. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, I don't know what I'm, I'm supposed to do. I don't know what you expect me to do in this moment. It took us four and a half hours to get downtown just to get into Comic-Con. I'm like, I can't do anything right now. I felt so helpless in that moment. I had no clue what I was going to do. I was driven. I was motivated to help my wife, to help my daughter. But what was I supposed to do? I really felt like my hands were tied. You see, most of us have felt like that at some uh, point in our life. We've all been involved in maybe a similar situation where it was urgent or emergent and we wanted to help, but we were, we were hopeless our circumstances, our circumstances wouldn't allow us to, to really help. And maybe you haven't been involved in an urgent or, or emergent situation like this, but, but you have come across something. You have seen uh, something in this world that has caused you to want to spring into action. Whether it's a, it's a need that a family friend has or, or you see a social justice issue, there's something that you have experienced that you know is, is wrong that you want to be able to help. We can all think of something that we have experienced or something that we've seen in this world that, that drives a deep sense of compassion in our hearts and it, it moves us. You see, most of us, we want to be helpful when we can. We want to leave a positive impact in this world, especially if we're followers of Jesus. We want to see those people who are hurting come to know hope in Jesus. You see, these deep desires that drive us and motivate us to help those who are less fortunate than us, You see, those of us who are really motivated by those feelings, we go out and we do something big, right? People, they start social media movements and they they start nonprofits and others, we're kind of tied down by our circumstances, by our restraints, by our time availability. and, And we do what we can, but sometimes we feel like it's just not enough. We see all these big things happening around us and we think to ourselves, is the little thing that I could do in this moment to meet this need, is it even going to matter? Is it meaningless? Is it just a splash in the pond? Now, let me just make it clear. 
These things are all good. Starting, starting a nonprofit, starting a social media movement, helping somebody in need, feeding the homeless. These things are all really good. But we have to ask ourselves this question. We have to say, hey, look, if I'm doing this alone, if I'm doing this on my own power, am I maximizing the impact that I can have? We also have to ask ourselves, is the impact that I'm having on this person or on this, this urgent situation or on this, this social justice issue, we have to ask ourselves, is, is my impact, is it temporary or is it eternal? You see, our impact can simply die with us if we're doing it on our own. But if we've got God in our corner, if we're living out his mission, the impact that we have can go far beyond anything that we could have ever imagined. You see, trying to help those who are in need or trying to fight for a social justice issue that we deeply believe in, to do good to those around us, these are amazing things. These are things that reflect Christ. But we have to ask ourselves, is this truly the mission that Jesus has called us to? Or is it simply just a byproduct of that mission? Is it just a small piece of the pie? You see, in this series, Reframe, we're talking about some of these things, some of the things that drive us and some of the different things that move us. And we're, we're taking a look at the mission that Jesus has called us to. And we're looking at it through the lens of the kingdom of God. Pastor Jesse talked about it last week. And if you haven't caught that message, I want to encourage you to go back and watch that, watch that message from last week. We're looking at our mission through the lens of the kingdom of God. And I believe that Jesus wants to reframe our perspective on what it means to be a disciple, what it means to actually live out this mission that Jesus has called us to. So what is that mission, you might be asking? What is the mission that we're supposed to be on? You see, it's so much more than just knowing God and doing good for those around us. The mission is very clear. It's to go out and to make disciples. And a disciple is simply this, a follower of Jesus. This is what Jesus says in his own words. And uh, the Great Commission is what it's known. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. This is what Jesus says. He says, therefore go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So we've got to ask ourselves, okay, if this is the mission, this is what Jesus has called us to. We have to ask ourselves, do we have to have mass influence in order to be able to do this? The little things that we could do in our own power to, to raise up disciples, is that, is that even going to make any sort of difference in the world? You see, I believe that it can. When we look in Luke chapter 5, we're going to be in verses 1 through 11 today. We see Jesus show up on the scene and start his public ministry. And what he starts to do is he starts uh, by calling his disciples one at a time. You see, now in 2021, if you Google it, uh, you know, the old internet will tell you that there's about 2 billion people on this earth that identify as, as followers of Jesus, as Christians. But we have to ask ourselves, did it start that way? It didn't start big. Jesus models for us that his public ministry started by recruiting his disciples one at a time. 
So in the first few verses of this passage, we see Jesus, he's standing by the Sea of Galilee and he's teaching to, to the crowd and a crowd starts to, to gather around him. And so he, he looks and he sees a couple of boats and fishermen that are cleaning out their nets. And so he goes and he, he gets into one of the boats and he tells Simon Peter just to go ahead and just shove off just a little bit from shore to give Jesus some space. And so Jesus does a super awesome thing where he just sits in this boat and he's teaching the crowd. And this is what it says as we get to Luke chapter five, uh, verse four. It says, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon Peter, uh, put out into deep water and let down your nets for catch. Simon Peter answered, master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. And we see in verse six and seven that, that he lets down his nets and uh, ends up pulling up all these fish, so many fish that the boat starts to sink. And in verse eight, this is what it says. It says, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish uh, that they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon Peter's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon Peter, do not be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled up their boats onto the shore, left everything and followed him. You see, as we look at this passage, we see Jesus do some amazing things. And if we're going to be uh, looking at this through this kingdom of God lens and trying to reframe the mission that Jesus has us on, I think that there are some things that we can, we can take from this story, some things that we can see about Peter's interaction with Jesus. You see, the first thing that we recognize when we look through this story is that Jesus reframes Peter's perspective. Jesus reframes Peter's perspective. And he does this in two ways. Uh, the first thing that he does is he reframes Peter's trust and then he reframes Peter's self-awareness. Well, how does he reframe Peter's trust? You see, Jesus tells him, hey, cast your nets into the water. We see, we see Peter uh, reply in verse five. He says, master, we've worked hard all night. Some, some translations say toiled. He says, we've toiled all night and we haven't caught anything but but because you say so, because you say so, Jesus, I will let down the nets. Now just, just think about it for a second. Put yourself in Peter's shoes or put yourself in Peter's sandals, right? And think about it from his perspective. He's a fisherman. He's a career fisherman. He was probably taught by family. He was probably running or a part of the family business. And Jesus was what? A carpenter. So you've got a carpenter telling a fisherman how to do his job. See, Peter could have come up with all kinds of reasons or excuses not to listen to Jesus. He could have said, Jesus, look, you go over there, you, you frame the huts and, and we'll stick to fishing. He could have said, Jesus, the, the crowd, it, it scared all the fish away. So there's no fish. He could have said, you know what, Jesus, I, I'm a fisherman. I know these things. The best fishing is done at night and it's the middle of the day. This must have been so difficult for Peter to make the decision to choose to put his trust in Jesus. And he does. He puts his trust in Jesus and he says, but because you say so, Jesus, we'll throw our nets in to the water. 
You see, Peter had to let go of all of his knowledge, all of his understanding, the concepts that he knew about fishing. He had to let go of even his past experience from the night before of catching nothing. And he had to put all of his trust in Jesus in that moment. See, the next thing is we see Jesus uh, reframe Peter's self-awareness. After Peter throws the nets in, they they pull all these fish up and there's so many fish and the the boat starts to sink. This is what it says in verse eight. It says, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus's knees and said, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. See, he realizes that Jesus truly is who he says he is. And this changes Peter's posture towards Jesus. What does he do? He falls down at Jesus' knees and recognizes and owns the fact. He's like, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. Go away from me, Jesus. I don't deserve to be in your presence. I am a sinner. You see, it doesn't change Jesus' posture toward Peter. It changed Peter's posture towards Jesus. Peter was very self-aware in that moment of who he was next to the living God. And it's interesting too, we, we have to note that Jesus doesn't correct him. Jesus doesn't say, no, 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 Peter, no, no, no. You're not a sinner. Get up. We're good. You're, you're awesome. You're qualified. You're capable. You're competent. You are actually, Peter, you're one of the perfect uh, just specimens of what it would look like to be one of my followers, one of my disciples. So get up, Peter. Let's do this. See, Jesus doesn't say any of those things. Jesus does not correct him because Peter was a sinner because Peter didn't deserve to be called by Jesus. Peter was likely one of the least qualified people that Jesus could have called to be one of his followers and especially one of his disciples. Peter was aggressive. He had a foul mouth. He was violent and he was impulsive. You see, some of us, we can relate to the way that Peter must have felt that day. We feel unqualified to be in the presence of Jesus. We feel there's no way that we're qualified to take on this mission that Jesus has called us to, to go out and to make disciples. We don't feel like we can do that. We're happy that church isn't meeting in a building because if it was and you stepped foot in here, you might burst into flames because you're that unqualified. Maybe you're aggressive. Maybe you've got a foul mouth. Maybe you relate with Peter more than any of us would like to admit. But the truth is that Jesus still has a mission for you. See, some of us need to do our best to model what Peter modeled for us in this moment. Let go of our past experiences. Let go of our our knowledge and our understanding of what our plan is and what our mission is for our life and put our trust in Jesus. Allow Jesus to reframe our trust, to allow Jesus to reframe our self-awareness of who we are and that we're just desperately in need of a savior. See, the second thing, that we recognize as we look at this story. It's very clear. Jesus reframes Peter's mission. He reframes his mission after Peter falls to Jesus' knees and said, Jesus, go away from me. Go away from me. I don't deserve to be in your presence. Go away from me. Jesus says this in verse 10 and 11. It says, then Jesus said to Simon Peter, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people, which is just a weird phrase. Let's just all own that. It's a strange thing for Jesus to say. But he says, from now on, you will fish for people. And it says, so they pulled their boats onto the shore, left everything and followed him. 
You see, I'm sure Peter didn't quite understand in that moment what Jesus meant by you're not going to be a fisherman anymore. You're going you're to fish for people. But Peter was watching what Jesus was doing. And Jesus was out there. He was talking to people, teaching uh, about the kingdom of God. And he was, he was going to people like Peter himself one at a time. And he was investing in them. And Jesus was telling him in that moment, I don't know if Peter quite understood, but Jesus was telling him, what I'm doing right now, that's what I want you to do. I'm going out, I'm finding people, I'm pouring my life into them, and they're gonna go out and duplicate this process and do the same thing. And this is what I want for you. You see, Peter had always seen himself as a fisherman, but he had to allow Jesus to reframe his mission Jesus uh, was assigning him something that was much greater than being a simple fisherman. He was assigning him the mission of being one of his disciples. And as you may know, the story goes on. And as Jesus dies on the cross years after this, he leaves Peter in charge of the church. And again, this is the same Peter who was unqualified to be there. Even after spending three years with Jesus, the, the night that he gets arrested, we, we see Peter pull out a sword and chop off uh, a Roman soldier's ear. That doesn't scream emotional stability to me. That doesn't, that doesn't tell me that Peter was really, quote unquote, right for the job. But Jesus reframed the mission that he had. He was no longer going to be a fisherman, but he was going to be somebody who was out fishing for people, out making disciples and duplicating and, and um, continuing to move the mission of the church forward. And so what, what does, does Peter do in this moment after Jesus uh, reframes his mission? He actually takes action. It says in verse 11 that he dropped his nets, left everything and followed Jesus. He allowed Jesus to reframe his mission. And you and I, we, we need to do the same thing. We need to choose to do the exact same thing. You see, if we're going to allow Jesus to reframe this mission, we have to understand that Jesus modeled that the mission starts with just one. You see, he started with Peter and continued on to recruit the rest of his disciples. And he did it one by one. And he reframed the mission of each and every one of these disciples that he recruited. And we should allow him to do the same thing in our own hearts and in our lives. And what is that mission again? As a reminder, Matthew 28, 19, it says, therefore go and make disciples, baptizing them and teaching them to obey the commandments that Jesus has laid out for us. It doesn't say that you need to have a theology degree in order to do this. It doesn't say that you have to go big or go home and, and have a podcast and, and, and have all this experience. No, he doesn't say that either. He doesn't even say that you have to have mass influence in order uh, to make an impact. He doesn't say any of those things. He simply says, therefore, go and make disciples one at a time. That's our mission. Do you remember when my, my daughter, the story from the beginning of the message, my daughter was locked inside of our, our house and I'm stuck at Comic-Con and my wife's calling me and I didn't know what I was gonna do in that moment. I was freaking out. I was panicking. I'm looking around. I, I thought I was in the twilight zone because I see Luke Skywalker over here and I see a stormtrooper and a Lego tent and just, I was overwhelmed in the moment. I stopped and I took a breath and I said, you know what, wait a second. I can't do much, 
but I, 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 I could pick up my phone and make a phone call. And it was one little phone call that I made to the fire department. And within minutes, there was 10 firefighters at our house. A couple of them were working on trying to get the front door open. A couple of them trying to get in the front window. A few of them in the back. And they finally got one of the doors open and got my wife and my son inside. And my daughter was fine. See, I wanted to, to be able to, to have this, this uh, mass impact. I wanted to be able to just show up on the scene, be hero dad, kick the door in and have everybody be stoked. Well, I mean, I, I, I like my house, so I wouldn't kick the door in. I probably would have gently used my keys to open the door, but I wanted to have a huge impact. And in the moment, I didn't think that I could, but that one little phone call made a bigger impact than I thought that it actually would have you see, Jesus didn't just say this to us. He didn't just tell us, go out and make disciples. He showed us how to do it. See, we can and we should be going out and making disciples one person at a time. We don't need to worry about the mass influence. We don't need to worry about, about uh, making a small splash in the pond or a big splash in the pond. That's not the point. The point is to go out one by one and make disciples you see, Jesus knew that people learned by imitation over just uh, instruction. So what do we see Jesus do? He lives with these guys for, for three years. They break bread together. They, they talk. They have these different experiences together. They're doing ministry together. They see all kinds of amazing things. And it should be the same in our relationships you see, if we, we think about some of our close friends or some of these discipleship relationships that we might have, we don't necessarily remember every single conversation that we have, but we remember the experiences. We remember that one vacation that our families went on together. We, we think about how we almost got arrested in Tijuana for no reason. We remember the experiences. Jesus knew that. And so he had three years of experience with these guys just continuing to pour into their lives. If you break down the New Testament and the Gospels and we look at, at the time that Jesus spent on this earth, he spent about 75% of his time with his disciples and only about 25% of his time with crowds. You see, some of us today, we need to allow Jesus to reframe the mission that we are on. You see, good deeds, uh, meeting the needs of others, uh, going out of our way to help somebody. These things are all good. They're all good. And they can, they can inspire people. They can encourage people. They can impact people. They can, they can inform people. People can even come to know Jesus through these types of actions and through these different things that we do, but they don't make disciples. Even this message, this sermon that I'm preaching to you right now, it can serve to impact your life. It could serve to, to inform you, to inspire you, to encourage you. Prayerfully, prayerfully, this message will help, uh, help lead somebody into a relationship with Jesus today. But this message doesn't build disciples. And that is what our mission is. You see, Peter heard the mission and he went. He didn't just hear Jesus's words and listen to him and say, oh, that's, that's great, Jesus. That's good to know. I'm glad to know that you're going to make me a fisher of men. I'm going to go back to, to fishing for fish. No, we don't see that. We see that when Jesus calls Peter, when, she, when Jesus reframes Peter's mission, Peter actually goes. 
And for some of us, we're hearing Jesus' words. He's telling us, therefore, go. And what do we do? We stay. We stay. We stay in our comfort zones. We read our theology books. And we, we get together in our, in our connect group. You know, we give a little bit to the natural disaster fund or, or you know, when we're at the grocery store, we, we round up that change to, to help a local orphanage. We stay. I need you to understand something today, Grace Church. We are not inactive spectators when it comes to God's mission for his church. I'm gonna say that one more time. We are not inactive spectators to the mission that God has for his church. We are the church. The church is not this building. It's us, it's you, it's me. We are the church and we exist for the world. We exist for the mission that Jesus has called us to. And that mission is to go out and make disciples. Jesus did not say, therefore, know all that you can about me and stay in your comfort zones. No, 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 he doesn't say that. He says, therefore, go and make disciples. Are we gonna be like Peter and hear these words and actually drop our nets and go? Or are we gonna stay? Stay in our comfort zone. Live out the mission that we think is our mission. It is our mission to stay and spend time in these godly discipleship relationships that God has given us. See, in those relationships, we should model Christ-likeness. We should model Christ-likeness in word and in deed. And when I say indeed, that means caring for the sick, meeting the needs of those who are in need, caring for those who are hurting and broken. See, we should be doing those things. Don't get confused. I'm not saying that those things are bad. Those things are good, but they're a very small piece of the pie. They come out of, of our, our Christ-likeness. They don't necessarily come out of the mission that God has truly called us to. See, in these, in these discipleship type relationships, we should be holding one another accountable, teaching one another to obey the commands that Jesus has given us and to love the way that Jesus loves. That is our mission, Grace Church, to make Christ known and to make disciples. You see, some of us today, we need to do what Peter did. We need to allow Jesus to reframe our trust and to reframe our self-awareness. Some of us need to choose to put our trust in Jesus today. Some of us need to just accept the fact that we are sinners and that we are in need of the Savior, Jesus Christ. Those of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus, my encouragement to you is this. We need to allow Jesus to reframe our mission. The good that you are doing the good, the, the Christ-likeness that you are reflecting in this world, continue to do so. But don't forget the mission. The mission is to go out and to make disciples. If we really want to have an impact on this world, it starts by us allowing Jesus to reframe our mission, to go out and to make disciples one at a time. Won't you pray with me? Father God, thank you. Lord, we thank you for, for your word, God. We thank you for challenging each and every one of us, God, to, to reframe what it is that we're doing and how we're living our lives for you. 
God, for those who are, who are watching right now, who have not stepped into a relationship with you, I pray that right now, just like, just like Peter had an encounter with you and you changed everything in Peter's life, I pray that right now somebody would have an encounter with you and that you would change their life. If, if that's you and you're listening to me say this prayer, just, just repeat this prayer in your own words and the quietness and the stillness of your own heart. Just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner, just like Peter. I'm a sinner. Jesus, I, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and I ask that today moving forward that you would be the Lord of my life. God, we wanna celebrate with those who just said that prayer. God, and for those uh, who have been walking with you for, for days, uh, weeks, months, years, God, I pray that you would use this message to inspire us and to encourage us to therefore go out and make disciples in your name. God, we love you. We thank you. We ask these things in your name. Amen.